0: My name is Zach Como, and you're listening to the My Tech Decisions Podcast. Thanks for coming back to another episode of the My Technicians Podcast. Like I said, my name is Zach, and I'm your host. Earlier this month, we spoke to an owner of a managed service provider about what the rollout of Windows 11 means to end users. We learned that organizations should proceed slowly when upgrading systems to Microsoft's new Shiny operating system. However, in this episode, we speak to Leon Adato, a head geek at SolarWinds, about how internal IT departments should handle this rollout. He's a fun interviewee with some very interesting advice on bringing Windows 11 to your organization, which includes starting with some actual end users rather than the IT department. Before we get to the interview, be sure to check out the Decisions podcast on iTunes to hear weekly interviews with IT experts that can help you make the right decisions for your organization. And now, here's Leon Odata. So, Leon... uh windows eleven is is uh coming out sometime this fall or, or winter around the holidays um uh, perfect timing um <laughs> i thought Windows ten was gonna be around forever um what 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 happened
1: there windows there's no windows that is forever um i wanna Uh, just just frame my experience with windows i have used it since it came for free on 12 five and a quarter inch floppies when you bought a copy of excel 1.0 so i have used approximately 24 versions of uh windows between since since then um and that's a lot so there's really no windows is forever i if i recall back to 20 2014, 2015, when Windows 10 was released, the idea that they strongly implied was that the next version of the operating system was going to be so tightly bound with cloud-based, virtualized, um, ephemeral and mobile experiences that it would be much more like sort of an android or a you know os mac os or or you know iphone type experience and that was why they kept on saying this is the last windows version this is the last uh pc based operating system but obviously time has not gone the way that they thought and those predictions are always somewhat um ephemeral you know they're they're Uh, prone to the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. So yeah, uh, here we are with Windows 11. But also what I see even initially is that Windows 11 is another step along that way.
0: Uh, In what way?
1: So it continues the steady march to um, combining operating systems across so there's no phone platform anymore i will also say thank god but okay um there's you know there's still a desire to move to a more mobile tablet-like experience the the surface is a piece of hardware that uh it wants to be windows in a mobile framework i would have to put money down that somebody in Redmond is still wishing that they could build another Windows phone based on this. Um, I, I think that you're seeing, and we'll talk about this some more, but with the gestures and the layouts, you see Microsoft continuing to push this idea that the operating system we call Windows is a flexible, nimble, multifaceted, mobile friendly type of system that can do lots of things on lots of different hardware platforms.
0: Right. So, do you, do, does this signal to um, you know administrators that we should expect to have to you know upgrade everyone's uh, endpoint to the latest version every every five or six years uh, whenever window Microsoft decides to release a new Windows?
1: Okay, I have I have at least two answers. <laughs> for that, the first one is um, anyone who tells you that you're never going to have to upgrade your soft your software, Your Highness is trying to sell you something. Um, software has to get upgraded. That's just the way it is, and. Um, Not just dot releases, not just hot fixes, not just patches, but after a while, things start to look different. People start to expect a different kind of experience. Someone else comes up with a better idea that you want to jump on the bandwagon and borrow instead of steal. Um, So there's always going to be major upgrades. And every five or six years, to be perfectly honest, is you know three different lifetimes in it speak so yes we should still continue to get used to the idea that there's going to be upgrades if microsoft completes this vision that i am i am talking i am predicting then the upgrades will be less about you know windows version 12 uh or as somebody said next version is windows version 100 because it's binary Mm -hmm. Mm. This is actually Windows version three, you know, <laughs> one one, and the next version will be one zero zero. But okay, fine, that's a geek joke. Anyway, um, the next version will uh it, it will be less like that, and it'll be more like, for example, the upgrades that we see on our phones to the next version of Android, the next version of you know iOS.
0: Right. So judging, um, uh, you know, on what you've heard and what you've seen so far, uh, you know, what do you think IT pros uh, like about it so far?
1: so the thing that i like the most so let me before i do that let me run down the things that i've noticed that i've seen and i'll be perfectly honest i have had very little flight time in the seat of this airplane so i'm deriving a lot of it from the release event and from the things i've read from people who've had you know a much earlier experience than i have but the things that that are known right now obviously the first thing that people scream about is oh my gosh they moved the start button Ah, save the women and children first okay um the start button moved get over it um also uh something that i think a lot of more than novice computer users will notice right away is that the applications you've pinned to the start button have moved under a folder called pinned Okay, this is not a major conceptual change, but it happened and it's going to take people a minute to catch up. Um, there's a lot of other cosmetic things that have changed. There's preset window layouts. So you can say everything that I have on my screen, make it all layout like this. You also can save those layouts into uh, you know um, groups, and you can reopen all of them with a click of a button. So you can say, I want everything, I want all these applications opened and laid out on the screen like this. So you'll be able to do that. And along with that is widgets, and along with that are what are called virtual desktops. Welcome to Linux Circa 2010, where you can have multiple layouts that exist off in pretend space, and you can switch your view from one to the other um, without having to have multiple screens. Then you also can do things like change the refresh rate on your screen so that it saves battery life. Um, And then settings also has gotten uh, overhaul, which is fine because it was kind of hard to find things. Um, So those are the things that we've seen. Um, I'll also comment that a lot of folks are saying that Windows 11 is a shot across the bow of HMS Apple. And what they mean by that, just to clarify, is that moving the start button, changing the uh, Windows, so that they have rounded edges, um, having layouts and Android compatibility. All of that, uh, coupled along with the move that Windows 10 did, which was com- uh, having you know Linux compatibility. Okay, so that was in Windows 10, but now you have Android app compatibility. All of that is saying two things: one, we're just as pretty as the other kids. Okay, you can have all the pretty, but also you have a choice now. You can have. Apple compatibility or everything else compatibility. You <laughs> pick, you know. That's what they mean when they say it's a shot across the bow against Apple. Okay, with, with that, said, the things I like, I'm really actually very intrigued with the idea of widgets, which I've used in my Ubuntu setup for a long time. I like the idea of not programs, but something smaller than a program, more atomic than a program that gives me information at a glance. I like that. And I also like the snap groups. That's the thing that I talked about earlier, where you not only save a layout, but you save which program goes in which part of the screen, Mm -hmm. because I spend... An embarrassingly large amount of time after a reboot putting all of my applications exactly where I want them on my different screen. I know it's really compulsive. I can't believe I'm I'm admitting this, but I do I want my email over here and I want my chat window over here and I want my slack messages over here like I I want certain things where I want them and until they are where I want them I can't work all right, that's my own little psychological thing. Me and my therapist will discuss it. But I think that the ability to do that, and not only do that, but have different layouts based on whether my laptop is docked or undocked, I think that that is actually a very intriguing way of improving people's workflow um, along the road. So that's what I like. As far as dislike, there's nothing that jumps out at me as, oh my gosh, my eyes are burning. I can't stand this. I'm turning this off right away. But again... the two points I want to reiterate are that a it's not out yet so who knows they still have a chance to really disappoint me and b um what was my b I had a b I can't remember it um the oh that was it the b is that it's not really done yet I mean I recognize that we are probably looking at a feature complete thing but um it's it, there's still changes that they could throw in there that right. would take something that I look at now and say, "Oh my gosh, my eyes are burning." And later I'm was like, eh, it "Wasn't that bad actually?"
0: Yeah, yeah, and and they, you know, for the last what five six years, they they've been doing that with Windows 10 and, and cleaning up, you know, where they need to clean up. Yeah. Um. And when, you know, stands to reason that they they seen with Windows 11. Um. Let's talk about the hardware requirements because I think these put these these put uh, Windows 11 out of reach for, for a lot of people. Um, you know, should organizations you know rush out and get everyone new uh, endpoints or, or wait until um, their natural you know uh, hardware refresh cycle? All
1: right, I'm I'm absolutely going to court the um, end user vote here when I say everyone should get new equipment right now. Of course, that's always the right answer. And when you ask me how many CPUs should my laptop have, my answer is all of them. <laughs> I want all of them. I want as many as you can jam in that box. Um, that being said, if I flip hats and, and take off my end user hat and put on my IT uh, team and budget aware hat, I would say, first of all, one of the main things that people are saying, oh my gosh, Windows 11 isn't supported" is because of the TPM chip, mm. okay? Um, that is... Maybe less of an issue, lots and lots of hardware ships with uh, TPM, which stands for, why can I not, a trusted platform module. Wow, my brain isn't working. Happy Friday, everyone. I haven't had enough coffee. Okay, Uh, trusted platform module or TPM 2.0 chip. Lots of hardware ships with it, disabled in BIOS. Mm. So the first thing that I want to speak to all of my sysadmin and IT Uh, team family is you may want to look at the hardware you've got and find out whether you can remotely enable it then don't do that right away do it manually on a couple of missions where you're standing there and make sure that things don't break because you did that because no telling but once you are comfortable that a, you can remotely enable it, and B, it won't break people's machines. Then the first phase is going to be to turn that on, and then you can talk about whether you're going to upgrade to Windows 11 or not. Um, I, Again, I haven't looked at the specs that much, and I haven't understood this functional specs. You know, So if Microsoft is saying, you must have 12 gig of RAM, they're covering their backside one way or the other in certain cases and an eight gig machine might work just fine. It also depends on the user, how p- people are using it. Um, as a, a friend of mine, a uh, charity majors, who's the CEO of Honeycomb IO likes to say nines don't mean a, sh- don't mean a thing if customers aren't happy. Mm-hmm. And in that same vein, actually she says it in a little bit more colorful language. So anyway, uh, what that means is that it doesn't matter how many CPUs you put in the machine if the end user thinks that it's slow, regardless, and up by the same token, it doesn't matter how many CPUs you don't have if the end user says, no, it's running fine. I like it, you know, so it's really going to be an experiential thing to say whether or not, you know, four gig, eight gig. You know, uh, you know, four CPUs, ten, you know, et cetera. Like how many it's going to need? So that's the hardware stuff. The other point I want to make is that, um, again, courting the mobile tablet crowd, there's going to be a lot of gestures and gesture support built into this. And what that means is not like it. Okay, so I'm not bringing back the evil ghost of Windows eight right oh my gosh yeah um that was that was horrific can we just take a minute and talk about how bad that was
0: (laughs) It really was yeah
1: um and the other thing i want to just point out is uh, i had a quote oh i'm sorry hopefully you're editing this you know as i mumble around um brian boiko said back in 2012 he said that um you know Windows 8 is the first operating system I can legitimately label as user hostile. Mm. You know, it was so but the reason why it was so bad was because they built it to be to support tablets and to run on a tablet and sure. to support gestures, but it didn't not support gestures on a laptop. And mm. that made it very confusing when you did certain things like moved your mouse over to the right-hand side of the screen and all of a sudden a window popped out. Like, yeah. why are you doing that? Because it thought you were swiping. Anyway. Yeah. I don't think that for a second they're gonna do that, but what I do think is that, well, it runs fine on my machine is gonna be less valid a statement than it is today under Windows 10. That IT pros specifically who are doing support need to understand the differences in how this operating system is going to respond on uh, a laptop, versus uh, perhaps a desktop if the laptop is touchscreen enabled or whatever, versus if it's on a tablet-like device or a keyboardless device or whatever, um, you just want to know and be comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. So those are all the hardware pieces. Um, I don't know where you want to go next, so I'll- I'll Oh, well,
0: um, we've kind of been hitting on it, uh, talking about, um, you know, Windows 8, and and just the difference between, you know, 7, 8, and 10. Now, Microsoft has a very checkered history of rolling out new versions of Windows. <laughs> Seems like every other every other version is uh, is you know drives guys like you crazy. So why should we think differently about eleven?
1: You shouldn't. I mean, I'm, I'm not, not going to sugarcoat it. I I also remember Microsoft Bob, that was an absolute nightmare hellscape. Um, I don't know who what they were thinking when they came up with that. So yeah, Microsoft has been hit or miss with their operating systems and they had good ideas that were badly implemented and bad ideas that were well implemented and didn't make them any less bad and all everything in between. No, um, I want to say that, and, and this is true of almost any piece of software, but certainly any operating system that you want to roll out to an organization. Again, let's be clear, I'm focusing on an IT professional who's thinking not only about installing it on their machine or their relative's machine, but on an entire fleet of machines. And that, that scale that you're talking about is a very different thing. So whether I'm talking about Windows 11 or something else, proceed slowly. Remember the concepts of user acceptance testing and that it's not just for developers Encoders, but it's also you know for for us who are regular systems operators administrators or whatever that the needs of the operating system the, the the abilities of the operating system have to meet the needs of your organization or else don't adopt it windows 7 is still the reality for a lot of organizations and and it's not because they couldn't foot the bill to upgrade or whatever. It's because Windows 7 does what they needed to do and they can't go to a different one. For anybody who's ever interacted with audit, you know, you know that it audit doesn't n- require you to upgrade. You just need to document why you're not upgrading something if you can't. And to have that documented along the way. There may be many machines and uh, let's also be clear, Windows 11 is a desktop operating system, it's not a server operating system. So we're really not talking about the data center, we're talking about people's desks, but still there are people who have operations or tasks they need to do that may not be conducive with you know window- on Windows 11 at all for whatever reason. The, the least of which is the vendor of the software you're using, isn't compatible with Windows 11 for some reason. Like, okay, you're going to have to test all that out. Um, And the other piece, and that takes me to the next point, which is if Windows 11 is right for your organization or a large section of your organization, go slow. Start with your early successes. I I have seen multiple times where the rollout begins with IT under the lovely yet mistaken and misplaced idea that well if we work out to IT they're they're more savvy they'll help us shake the bugs out and by the time it gets down to the regular users then we'll have everything. Per- no, that's not what actually happens. IT department needs every single variance under. you. Know, no, 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 I need full admin access and I have to make a dual boot with Windows 95 and OS2 warp. Like who wants to support that? So. You don't start with IT. Start with your, you know, run-of-the-mill, low needs, uh, same job every day kind of users. Get those early successes and those quick wins under your belt. You're still going to learn stuff. You're still going to have to fix stuff, but you're not going to have to fix as much as the hyper admin who's, you know, hopped up on caffeine and wants root access to every single subtask running on the machine. So. You know, that's, you know, take it slow, start simple, do a lot of testing. You know, you're not going to roll out Windows 11 in a weekend. That that just that never happened. And the other thing is admit when Windows 11 is the wrong choice. Um, the, the way I've put it is don't try to force a Windows 11 size peg into a business critical Windows 7 size hole that, you know, there you're never going to be 100 percent. You aren't now. If you think you are, someone has lied to you. Right. You know, you you have a uh, a, a heterogeneous, not homogenous, heterogeneous environment now, where you have multiple operating systems and multiple versions of those operating systems, and you have damn good reasons for keeping them there. That's not going to change.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, say this thing uh, finally drops. Um, you know, around the holidays. Um, when is the earliest, and if you think it's right for your organization, when is the earliest you think you should start? Uh, looking at it
1: and, and rolling it out, um, you know, in your company. Last Oh, looking at it last week. Rolling out to the company, very different answer. Yeah. Uh, looking at it, I think that if you don't have a VM or something running the early view, um, you're missing out on an opportunity not to make a decision, but to have insight, mm. to Simply have an experience. I think that right now, IT departments of any reasonable size, and by that I mean like five people or more, should be carving out half an hour a week or whatever just to kick the tires on this thing and to try to, again, having a VM or a spare laptop or whatever that you're running this thing on. And every once in a while, you spend half an hour just trying to do normal tasks as your normal user and see what breaks what crashes, what's different, what installs, what doesn't install. And at the moment, all you're doing is collecting information, collecting data. Because the fact is the thing that crashed this week may be fixed next week. Also what you're doing by doing that is sending that usage data back to Microsoft so that yeah. they can take it, they can, they can take that into account. And you won't have the unexpected, oopsie, I'm running this weirdo app and it's not supported. On the day that it actually drops, you know, Happy Hanukkah, you know, it'll be out there. So, you know, that's what you should be doing now. Then um, when you should roll it out is after everything I just said works. So, again, Happy Hanukkah. It rolls out December you have a machine that's running the the production general availability build of it, and you have everything installed, and you have your user profiles, meaning you know your different kinds of users, and you have all those applications running on multiple instances of it, and you know that it works, then you can start to plan your rollout now. If you get your, I'm going to call them low-level, I mean low-needs, Not, not you know, power users, and you have that profile set, and it works, and you want to roll that out while you're still troubleshooting the other users. Okay, I don't think that small and medium-sized shops have enough headcount to do that. I used to work at Nestle, and we had a team of 150 people doing exactly that, doing application testing on the latest version to make sure it worked, getting install. Uh, instructions, creating pre-built installers and everything, and rolling it out across ten thousand systems across the U.S. Most organizations don't have that kind of bandwidth and don't have that kind of budget, so you're going to do that in a much smaller way. So you're you're going to have to make that, you know, as my grandmother liked to remind me, salt to taste. Right.
0: Um. What do you What do you make of the um, these alleged security improvements that uh, you know Microsoft is is um. Is pushing as part of Windows 11. Um, and they say it's built. It's built on a zero trust model. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I have not myself have not you know uh, gone in there and look at it. Um, you know, what what have you seen in the way of security?
1: Um. Again, I have seen. I've seen very little in terms of how Windows 11 specifically and actively is doing security. However, uh, nobody is. You know, nobody's surprised that Microsoft is um, taking security more seriously. Um, Just look at the news for half a minute and you realize why they might want to help their customers um, do a better job. Also, they recognize that security is damn hard at the best of times. It is ferociously difficult to get right. And I just want to acknowledge that, that IT folks have a job and a half just making sure that things stay secure in their organizations without everything else that they have to do. So if Microsoft can do something to make it less insecure to make security easier to make it less intrusive then a 100 percent by all means now the one piece of of absolute data i have is that some of the updates some of the critical updates will happen in the background without even saying anything that users won't be able to stop or cancel now that by itself sounds good on an end user i'm using it in my house my you know my dad, who is a lovely person, but he is a musician, not an IT person. So, you know, computers, not so much. So having it automatically upgrade, really good, because then I don't have to keep on fixing his machine all the time. Um, however, for a fleet of machines, which again, you know, audit control wants to know what version everything is on, and having them secretly, quietly, silently upgrading, so I don't know that it upgraded. Yeah, that's that's kind of not okay with me. But I also haven't seen whether Microsoft allows me, as the administrator, control via GPO or whatever to schedule those, to notify myself, to fit to fit into a more rigorous patch management system. And if they do that, then fantastic. That just means that the installer itself is less intrusive and less likely to get me into trouble. That's great. Well,
0: uh, Leon, thanks very much, man. I appreciate your time as always.
1: No problem. My pleasure. Um, let me know if I can offer you anything else. All right. We'll do Take care. Bye. Thanks
0: for listening to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you make technology decisions for your company. If you would like to learn more, head to mytechdecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at My Tech Decisions. You can also follow me on Twitter at ZWKomo. Until next time.